welcome to the Upsiders podcast, where we unpack what it takes to succeed in business. I'm your host, Victoria Jones, and I'm in the business of empowering people to become profitable and purpose-driven business owners. Over the past six years, I've enabled hundreds of female founders to start and scale their own business and make money doing what they love. Through our Six Weeks to Success Upstart program and coaching services, I'm able to fulfill my mission to educate, enable, and inspire more people to turn their business dreams into a reality. Through this podcast, I want to equip you with the knowledge and inspiration needed to kickstart your business, build your brand, and thrive on your entrepreneurial journey. I'll be interviewing the world's most successful business leaders, innovators, and influencers. We'll delve deep into how they've built their brand, the tips they've learned along the way, and reveal what it takes to succeed. For this week's podcast, I'm a little bit disappointed as I'm meant to be sitting down with the lovely Carly Lyon at her home, eating homemade muffins, but instead, due to some transport issues I had, we're now doing it over Zoom instead. Either way, I'm really excited to be chatting to Carly about building your personal brand, which is a hugely popular topic. I know many listeners want to know so much about. Um, For the past 15 years, Carly Lyon has shaped the personal brands of remarkable individuals from across the globe. Her past clients include world-leading supermodel Miranda Kerr, New York Times bestselling authors, inventors, musicians, and even a British celebrity foot reader, which I'll have to ask you more about. Uh, Today, Carly speaks about personal branding to the teams of iconic brands internationally and is helping everyday individuals master the art of putting themselves out there. Something I know many listeners and lots of my one-on-one coaching clients struggle with. It's great to connect with you, Carly, again. I remember, I think I first met you backstage at David Jones Fashion Week and you were Miranda Kerr's oh, personal God. publicist and I was probably trying to hassle you asking <laughs> if I could interview her. Um, but yeah, that must have been about yeah eight or nine years ago now. More probably. Um, yeah a long time but, um, yeah. <laughs> um how did that sort of shape you know working for such a well-known brand you must yeah. have is that where you sort of got into personal branding and um what it takes to build a really strong reputation and brand well i had i started in pi i started my consultancy at 22 and so even before i represented miranda and I was representing a whole bunch of different interesting people and more so in the world of wellness and personal development, but I always specialized in individual branding. So I was always representing individuals as opposed to doing, you know, brand PR or consumer product PR. So very niche at the time that was because now it's all the trend, you know, to have a personal brand, but back then it probably, you were probably the only person in that space where you doing it or one of the few. Look, I don't actually know if I can claim that. It would be nice if I could. Yeah. But um, yeah, I suppose I just gravitated to that kind of work because I love, I'm so interested in people and people's stories. And I just, for me, it just, it was just something I, I loved doing. I, I got so much more satisfaction out of putting a person out there and building up their brand than you know, growing a, a corporate brand or, a, you know, product. So yeah, yeah but yeah, yeah, I was yeah. It definitely, it's helping me now. That's for sure. 
And did you have a strategy behind each individual? How did you sort of shape, help them shape their personal brand and, and bring that story out of them? You know, absolutely. There was always a strategy behind what we were doing. And I think it all really starts with like, what is their ultimate vision for the future? And also me being able to look at them objectively and really pulling out of them their major points of difference and being able to really highlight their own kind of purpose and passion points. So yes, there was always a strategy in mind, but as you would well know, Vic, uh, when it comes to especially dealing with traditional media, you can have an incredible strategy, but it doesn't always go that way. You're always, you know, coming up against whatever the media's strategy and whatever this, the story they want to focus on. Uh, and of course, so you know, at that point, it was out of your hands. You know, now with the the world we live in with social media we can really control the narrative of what we're putting out there in our own time in our own way on our own schedule but of course back then 15 oh God, it's so oh, it was the power ago. of the media wasn't it yeah, they could literally totally. just write whatever i remember when i started as a journalist like and um, the editor said, I'll write a story about Jennifer Aniston. And I was trying to get hold of her publicist. I was trying yeah. to get an interview. And and um, he was like, what are you doing, Vic, ringing LA? And he was like, just, just, you know, just pull some quotes together, make it up. It doesn't really matter too much. <laughs> I won't reveal what the publication was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was very, yes. yeah. As I'm sure you knew working with Miranda, like some oh. of the stuff that gets written about. Oh, it's it was out of your control. Yeah, it's really horrible. And I actually just posted about this the other day. Uh, you know, I definitely saw the effects and the impact of tabloid journalism and the nastiness and, you know, the toxicity that comes out of it. And really what it is, is it feeds into that that need that some people have to to talk negatively about other people and to judge and and whilst tabloid journalism still exists you know we now have it online but the individuals are the ones who are throwing out the nasty comments and the fake news and all of these things yeah. so it, it's still still there and look, it's, it's, it's changed. Yeah, the rise above really yeah i feel like it's changing a bit more like particularly amongst women you know running their own business and yeah I feel like there's a greater support now for for building people up as opposed to knocking them down I don't know if, what you found yeah look I think there's just also a greater awareness of the fact that these people may always exist and there may always be the trolls and the anger and the nastiness but there is also, as you said, a really supportive group of people that are really just gunning for you and they want to see you succeed. And, and ultimately, it's about being able to really focus on that group and almost shut out that other side because it will always exist. And I think it's really important here we are talking about personal branding and putting yourself out there. One of the things that I really 
push hard in all of my sessions and my workshops and when I'm working one-on-one with clients is no matter what you do, what you say, how you say it, where you say it, when you say it, why you say it, you're always going to come up against criticism and disapproval. And the truth of the matter is once you actually gain influence, once you gain a bigger following and that brand recognition, the criticism and the disapproval grows alongside your influence. So, you know, I think there's this kind of myth or illusion or fantasy that you're going to get to a point where you're so well liked and everyone loves your brand and you've done so well that you're going to have no critics and you're not going to have that nastiness. You won't have to deal with any of it. Well, actually the opposite is true. The more exposure that you get, the more you will receive criticism and disapproval. And I've actually started to train myself, you know, to when I get a negative comment on LinkedIn or Instagram or wherever it might be, I actually am starting to train myself to actually celebrate it because now I see it as a demonstration that my voice is getting out there. If I was only getting positive remarks, I'm probably playing small. Yeah, and I've read that before as well, that if you, um, you're you only getting, you know, likes and everything's wonderful, then yeah. it's probably just your friends following you and you're not <laughs> yeah. actually, and, yeah, maybe you're not being true to yourself as much, yeah. like, you know, and it does, yeah. there's going to be... Courage to be disliked. Have you read yeah. that? No, I haven't. What's oh, that book? So good. The Courage to be Disliked. Oh, I wish I could grab it. Actually, here it is. I've got a great little... I'm an avid reader. Yeah, I was going to ask you about all your favorite books as yeah. well. Oh, God, don't ask me. We'll, be, we'll spend the whole hour talking <laughs> about books. Um, the Courage to be Disliked by Ichiro, Ichiro Kishimi. Best book ever. Okay. It's, and tip. the basis of it is all um, Adlerian psychology, which, again, I'm certainly no expert in the area, but he really, the book really talks about the fact that if you're just as we're saying if you're not getting criticism yes more likely you're you're not actually being true to yourself you're just yeah. kind of people pleasing which and also that ability it's probably more um around the psychology of it but i know that gary v who's big on branding yes. and branding, he speaks a lot about trying not to be affected by the likes and the dislikes like you know if you get certain likes, trying not to make that make you feel good. Yeah. Which, um, can yeah. be hard because often you'll be like, oh, that's good. Someone likes it. You know, it's human nature to um, yeah. respond to that. But getting to a place where you have such a strong sense of self-worth that you aren't affected by oh, absolutely. positive or negative. It's, it's absolutely an art to not be swayed by the vanity metrics, especially if we're talking about social media, to yeah. look at it really just as, yes, it's there. And yes, there may be some insights that you can gain in terms of how your audience is reacting to certain things or what really engages them or, you know, and you can gain insight. Maybe it's even a great way to look at, well, if this is something they've really engaged in, then maybe there's a product there that I could launch that could really service that need. So, you know, if you're able to look at it from that perspective, rather than completely tying your sense of self-worth to how many likes or followers you've got, uh, you know, I only just posted about this this morning. The reality is on, especially if we're talking Instagram, 
you know, the, there's a huge amount of robots on the <laughs> yeah. platforms. And so you might be celebrating all these followers you're getting. And the reality is that, I don't know, nine and 10 of them are actually fake profiles. <laughs> fake people. It's a bit you know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah you have to really look through that and, and, and start to create different metrics of success uh, on social media. So some of those metrics might be how many referrals are you getting? How much engagement and conversation is this creating? How many times is this actually converting into clients? So yeah. even though you might only have 100 people following you, those 100 people might be raving fans who just keep booking you for certain things. So you're just shifting the metrics and the focus. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a really good point, like looking at the quality of your followers rather than just this is the number. And I know when I worked yeah. with influencers, the brands, I would try and educate them. They got a lot more savvy on, yeah. okay, we should work with some micro-influencers that have a very strong niche yes. um, and a very targeted audience as opposed to some big brand ambassador that has millions of followers but maybe wouldn't get the same cut through or yeah no engagement and it's you know it's you would know this being kind of behind the scenes in the industry we can tell when someone's purchased likes you know i've been on campaigns where i've had to employ the influencers to go out and do things and i can tell straight away who's paying for likes and who's paying for followers and who's paying you know you can see it it's so obvious and I think nobody is, you're not fooling anybody by buying 10,000 followers and, and making it as if you're more established than you really are. It's not, and then they look and you get one comment, you know, yeah. it's just, people are smarter than that now. People have very good bullshit, uh, bullshit <laughs> radars these days. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely um so how do we cultivate a really strong personal brand like you've touched on yeah. being honest and maybe a bit imperfect i know you've written some amazing yeah. articles about embracing your imperfections what how do you start cultivating a strong personal brand yeah i think i always say there's three layers of visibility and the first one is absolutely, you have to become visible to yourself. And that does require brutal honesty. And it's really thinking about, you know, what am I really good at? What do I love to do? Uh, what, what can I be paid for now or in the future? And what, you know, what problem am I solving? What does the world actually need? So I'm really starting to, and where do you fit in with all of that? What's the intersection of all in all of that? And starting to see the common theme. So really becoming honest with yourself and being visible with who you are, what you stand for and what you want to represent in the world. And then, you know, as I said, knowing what problem you want to solve and who you want to solve it for is is an important step in the process as well so when when the, there's three layers of visibility there are self there are your guardians of influence and your target audience so when you're talking about what problem do i want to solve and for whom that's your target audience i actually believe in order for someone to cultivate a powerful personal brand and really develop influence you need to have a look at who are the guardians of influence between you and your target audience? 
So I'll give you an example of what this means. Yeah. So imagine if we're at, you're at a function and I just walk up to you randomly and, you know, I'm all on brand, I'm looking great, I'm, you know, I'm confident and, and I approach you and I say, oh, hi, Vic, I've heard so much about you. Uh, my name's Carly Lyon and uh, I am a personal brand consultant and I really would love the opportunity to sit down with you and to talk about ways that I can help you really develop influence and get your name out there, right? So that's scenario one. Old. Yeah. <laughs> I've come, come up to you out of nowhere and I've just kind of laid on this pitch, right? Yeah. So you're going to be sizing me up, kind of judging, do I like her? Do I dislike her? And really reading into what does she look like? What does she sound like? What has she said? What do I know about her? You know, all of these things that we do when we're judging another person. Probably subconsciously as well, a lot of it, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, 100%. You don't even know that you're doing it. You're computing everything. Yeah. So I want you to imagine now that we're still at the same event. But I walk in arm in arm with Oprah, right? And we walk up to you and Oprah puts her hand on your shoulder and says, oh my God, Vic, I'm so glad you're here. I want to introduce you to my dear friend, Carly Lyon. She is the only person in this world who you need to talk about, about your personal branding. She is going to take your career to new heights, to a whole new stratosphere. Now, you're going to obviously look at me differently, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. And the reason for that, and now this is a really obvious kind of uh, inflated example, right? Yeah, the reason good way to illustrate that, it though. Yeah, yeah. The reason for that is because it's come through a, a major guardian of, of influence. Yeah. And in fact, the word influence comes from the word, uh, from the Latin root influere, which means to flow into. So I believe that that transfer of energy, I like to start to think of energy as being this beautiful big, uh, sorry, uh, influence as being this beautiful cloud of energy. Yeah. So in this situation, Oprah has passed that influence over to me. So you see me differently because you've met me through Oprah. Yeah, and that's where the guardian of influence comes that, in. I like exactly, that term. Exactly, yeah. So that, it's more than, a, more than a testimonial because I'll often say to people, get testimonials from yeah. your clients and, and share them and um, get video ones where you can. But yeah. it's more than just having a testimonial from a client, isn't it? It's having someone of influence endorse you. There's, there's that. There are, yes, testimonials. There's awards. Uh, you know, there, of course, you know, you can go out and be speaking directly to your, to your audience via social media and saying amazing things, but the credibility that's going to come from you being featured in Forbes or the New York times is undeniable. So yeah. there's still the power of traditional media outlets. Uh, there's brand partnerships and collaborations. So all I'm saying here is yes, be clear on what you want to say and what you stand for and how you want to represent yourself. Be clear on the problem that you want to solve and who you're solving it for, but have a real think about who are the guardians of influence to your target audience. And this can be used on the macro 
and the micro. So let's say you're in a company and you want to get the attention of the CEO. Yeah. What I'm saying here is instead of going directly to the CEO, have a look at is there a manager or is it an executive assistant or who is it that has influence on that CEO? And I'm saying work on that person first because then being introduced via that alley, someone who already has the influence of that person is going to be more powerful. So it can be used on the micro and the macro and it changes then the way people perceive you and the kind of influence you'll eventually have on them yeah very clever it's something a strategy i haven't um heard before and i'm sure other people might not know either so i think um yeah that's a really good good tip and and how can so say someone's never heard of you before yeah. um or someone just starting out, they've built their personal brand, they have their message right, they have their target audience right. Yeah. And how do they find these guardians of influence? How can they go about approaching them? Can well, they have, I think it's really important. There's no harm in starting small, right? There yeah. is no, there is just nothing wrong with really accepting that you're a beginner. And with that, certain door you know certain doors are not going to be open to you just yet and that's not because you are not valuable it's not because you're not talented it's not because of any of those things that you're not good enough it's just the fact that you are starting out and you've got to really start from the beginning so what that might mean is for example you're just studying let's say it's a, a wellness expert and they're just starting out right yeah it might mean that and their target audience is women aged 35. It might mean that they start really local. So they might live in Manly where you are. And they say to themselves, okay, in this particular area, who, who has influence over that particular target audience? And it might mean that there are certain Pilates studios or there's the owner of the whole food shop or there is, a, there is a women in business network, the founder of that, and it's a small network. I'm saying work on those people rather than just, because the tendency I feel we have these days when it comes to building brands, it, a personal brands especially, is yes, we do have that amazing ability to go directly to our target audience with social media. And I'm not suggesting that we stop doing that. I think that that's a gift that we've been given and we absolutely should embrace that and use the power of that. But I'm just saying that, you know, for example, I'll give you another example. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm focused on building my audience on Instagram. I'm, I'm a newbie. I've only been on the platform for two years and it's a, quite a slow kind of trek. Yeah, um, and there's a lot of pay to play and I get it and you know I'm just doing it running going through the motions anyway there was a morning the other morning I'd shipped the kids off to school hadn't got my cup of tea sat down and that's when I opened Instagram and I was like wow I had like 25 new followers and it was like they had all come in at once and I was like what you know what was that about you know what did I post wow I did something right right Anyway, it turned out that a colleague of mine over in Canada, who is one of the editors of Chicken Soup for the Soul, she did a presentation and she quoted me or she said something about me. And because of that, 
they immediately acted and started following me. Now, I don't know if you're on Instagram, but it takes like, it, it's quite, it does feel like you're constantly doing things and there's not a huge return on investment immediately. It can be a platform where it's a little bit difficult for growth, but it's a perfect example of, it might've taken me a week to get 25 new followers. Yeah. But instead this one person made mention of me and immediately my growth you know, took it, it immediately showed in my uh, social media following. And they're going to follow me differently. They're going to be more invested in my what I say and my brand because I've they've I've been endorsed by this person. Yeah, it's a personal recommendation. And and I can um, back that up with what you're saying because I had Recipe Tinnies, who's Australia's top food blogger, yeah. talking about um I was getting her business tips. I've worked with her for about four years and she then shared it with her community and said, Oh, look, Vic, if you think about starting your own business, yeah, um, go and speak to Vic. And that I, same thing. I went on it. I was like, where are all these new followers come from? And it yeah. was from just on her Insta stories. I mean, she has half a million followers, but yeah. just that quick Insta stories and a endorsement of me just totally yeah. lifted my brand. And I think, I call it actually partnerships as a like yeah. who can you partner with that's going to help um, propel your brand, yeah. and it's something we do on our six week program. It's the last module, partnerships and promotions, and yeah, perfect. Um, and it doesn't the beauty of it, I think, as I'm sure you'd agree, it doesn't cost anything. No, you look at these people. I did a, an event in Manly to start and scale your own business, and I thought, okay, who? who targets my audience and it was something as random as a gym called sculpt and i knew that lots of the girls that went there um they were mums they maybe didn't want to go back to their corporate job and laura who founded it then promoted it to her network yeah and i ran the event there and hopefully she got some more people into the gym off the back of my network and and vice versa so i think looking at as a win-win as well so maybe when people approach these guardians of influence what can you do for them, whether it's offering them a blog post or your expertise in some way? Absolutely. And this is where I think, you know, I had a client not so long ago. She was just starting out. Uh, she had absolutely no platform and, you know, and didn't have a huge body of work at all. And she was saying to me, you know, I want to get into um, Women's Health magazine and I want to go and speak at um, Shivasom in Thailand, all these big brands. And I said to her, that's great. And I think it's always important to stretch yourself and to aim high. And I'm not in any way discouraging anyone to, you know, put, if they've got a great story idea, yeah, you know, try to pitch for something big and see if you can really take that big step up. But at the end of the day, there has to be some level of managing your expectations and and accepting that sometimes creating that groundswell means looking at the smaller, less obvious places as opposed to going straight to the top, whether you've got these big brands who, of course, have lots of people vying for their attention and competing for their database and all of those wanting to, you know, partner with them. Whereas if you're looking at these smaller businesses, which your example is perfect, you know, a local gym who's really targeting your audience and there is a win-win there, you know, these are the smart things to do. And you never know, 
you just never know who's in the audience. Yeah. I think we have this tendency to think that we can control or we can foresee what's going to be beneficial and what's not going to be beneficial. Whereas, yeah, of course, you've got certain kind of checklist of what you want to achieve and who you want to speak to, how many people you want to speak to. But, you know, it may be that you end up speaking to five people, but one person in that audience is really able to take you places. You know, you just never know. Yeah, or they might become a client and then that's yeah. your first client and then that's a good testimonial for, for future work. And Yeah, and which, you know, it's funny, I say all of that and I think of Miranda immediately because when I first started representing Miranda, uh, she had just started to get the attention of Victoria. Well, she was just starting to work with Victoria's Secret. She wasn't an angel. Yeah. She had been modelling for... I don't even know, six to eight years by that stage. And I just basically said to her, you know, Victoria's Secret is quite a big deal. We should start doing something because I knew her through my brother who was also a model. And so I took her on thinking that here I was doing her this favor <laughs> because we, we were really like-minded in terms of loving wellness. And she knew I was representing all of these amazing people in the world of wellness. And she was always passionate about health and wellness. So I said, you know, I'll, I'll do this. I'll do this for you as a favor. And then she just, I mean, she just, it was like a juggernaut. It was like one thing led to another thing. And before any of us knew it, she was this international superstar. Wow. And, and you so, went along. Yeah. And I went along. I got to yeah, go along long that. Time, didn't you? Yeah. I worked with her for nearly eight years and I got to go along and watch that journey unfold. And it was one of the most amazing career experiences. And, you know, the, I'm sure there were lots of people who just thought, oh, Miranda's another Australian model. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but you. That's a perfect example of somebody. Well, I didn't even consciously think of it that way, but you just never know who who's going to it's going to take you and i think that's yeah. an important point as well which i will say when you're looking at partnerships is um who shares similar values to you and obviously like miranda was attracted to you because not only of your experience but also yeah. because you had similar values and and that yeah. was aligned absolutely and absolutely. were there some can you tell us one of the pinch yourself moments like I'm, you know, I'm sure you went to all the amazing fashion shows and was there any moments you're like, wow, this is another world? Uh, I mean, if, if coming off that level, there were just so many, I, I can't even, I mean, I can't even pin it down to just a few. There were literally so many, um, just the, some of the people that I w was emailing or coordinating meetings with and um, yeah, no, there were just, there were so many. It's yeah. a different world. It's like Pandora's box. You just see into a whole different world and the power of, of celebrity. And I think that to me really cemented the idea of what personal influence is really, you know, what you're able to do once you build a powerful personal brand and the opportunities that can come out of that. And I don't believe we're all meant to be you know, international superstars. I don't think we're all built for that. And I think that some people look at it and see it all as just one big fantasy and, you know, it's an amazing life. But there's a lot of downsides to that 
lifestyle as well. And um, so I don't think we're all built for it, but the point that, and the lesson I really learned was the power of a personal brand when it's, when it, it has influence. And yeah. And these days, you know, with social media, with our ability to self-publish, with, you know, our ability to create products, look what you're doing here with this podcast. You're creating something. You didn't have to go through a gatekeeper to do it. Yeah, and I know that when I started my blogger agency, I was a journalist at the time, and I just couldn't believe that these bloggers that had grown their audience and and a few of them said it's because they couldn't get a job as a journalist. They thought, well... I'm going to go and start my own um, online publication and, and ended up becoming, I admired them. They became, they had bigger audiences than some of the um, traditional publications. Oh, I know. I, I remember seeing one, I think it was one of the first bloggers. I think it was Nicole Warren on the cover of L and I thought, Oh my God, like we've got to a point where this girl has made the decision that this is who she is, this is what she stands for, and this is how she wants to represent herself. She's put herself out there unapologetically at the right time. She was, you know, at, in the right moment because I think back then Instagram was a different platform and you were really able to get a lot of organic reach and she she really built, and I'm not taking away the success that she achieved, but she really built a powerful brand she was on the cover of a mag of a magazine she decided and that's when I actually started to look at social media differently because I'd always kind of judged and thought oh but here here are these people thinking that suddenly they're the expert and like they're self-appointed whereas I actually now see that as yeah why not why do you have to wait for somebody else's permission and who are those gatekeepers anyway They're people with flaws, just like you and I, and you might've pitched to them on a bad day because they're having a bad moment with their wife or their husband. And that's why they told you no, not because of your actual value or your potential. Yeah, I think it's great. People can, you know, that's the beauty of technology now is people can put themselves out there a lot more easily. And, um, you know, video content, yeah, podcast, start your own podcast. I think I've done a podcast on start your own podcast. Like there's just so many things you can do to get yourself out there. I think the the biggest roadblock I see, the biggest barrier is people are scared, like they're yeah. including myself, like I, you know, sometimes feel a bit self-conscious having to do it and putting yourself out there on video and yeah. what do you say to those people and have you experienced that yourself as well? Vic, oh, I am, firstly, I'm an introvert. Uh, I remember the first time I posted something on social media and I felt literally like I was going to vomit. I felt so sick and I'm sure three people read it. And for me, actually, you know, the, this all started, this whole journey into uh, personal branding, aside from my 15 years experience in PR, but this whole new pathway of running workshops and speaking and, and consulting to individuals It all basically started because I woke up and realized that I hadn't done anything to build my own brand out of fear and insecurity. And it was at that point that I knew that I could use my experience to help other people who were feeling the same way. And I could empathize because I really understood 
that fear and insecurity. It was real to me. Yeah. For me, the reason why everything has changed and I am more forthcoming and I don't get as worried anymore is actually my best friend died unexpectedly. And sorry to hear that. Yeah. And I thank you. I, you know, I spoke to her on, on the Wednesday and on the Friday she was gone. She had holidays planned, meetings booked, conversations still to have. Like all of these things, she had this vision of what her future was going to be. And all of a sudden that was taken away. And that was the biggest shift for me. The greatest gift she ever left me was just an absolute awareness of how finite our life is. And that it, you know, whilst that fear and insecurity, it feels real. And I know it's, it does feel almost insurmountable at times. If you focus on the mesh message that you're trying to share and you know that you're doing it ultimately for other people, then it really does become a case of selfless promotion. And you really are putting yourself out there, not because you want the attention, not because you want to be the, you know, the, Seeking well, that's for the wrong reasons. Yeah. yeah. And they, they're a flash in a pan. We've seen them, the reality. Yeah, well. that's right. They, they belong on Love Island. That's yeah. how I always say. They should all just go and live there. <laughs> um, if you just, and sometimes if I'm having a really bad moment and I'm really scared, oh, I've saved all of the little thank you notes and messages that people have sent me over the past two years. And I'll just read that. And I'll, I start that. I call it, yeah, yeah. love letters, testimony. Yeah. And it's just all like little things that people um, have shared that make you feel good. Yeah. And it's, it's what you should, it's really what you need to focus on in those moments of fear and insecurity. Because the reason you're feeling fearful and insecure, usually you've told yourself, oh, everyone's going to think I'm naff or I'm, you know, I'm a wanker. And yeah. you know, what was funny is I always push my clients when they say everyone and I say, who's everyone? Like who, tell me exactly who is everyone. And I remember one of my clients who said, oh, everyone's going to think I'm going crazy. You know, she was going from corporate, big corporate defense, like male dominated industries to becoming a lifestyle travel photographer. <laughs> so it was like a massive shift. Great transition. Yeah. She was like, everyone's going to think I'm so crazy. And I said, who is everyone? And it turned out it was her mom. And I did the same thing to myself. I was like, who am I actually afraid of? When I'm posting and I'm thinking, everyone's going to be judging. Everyone's going to think I'm up myself. Everyone, everyone. Who is it that I'm actually worried about? And it, it was three colleagues. That was who I was worried about. Three colleagues. In a world of 7.7 .7 billion <laughs> people, I was worried about three colleagues. And so I think becoming really real about who your everyone is yeah. is important. And then secondly, knowing that the moment you start to put yourself out there and you really make the commitment to build your personal brand, please know that it is going to be your friends and family who try to stop you. They're the first ones that will criticize. You might have some of them support you and that's wonderful, but just please know that they are going to be the first ones to really say something that's going to upset you. 
And if you go in knowing that, then you're better prepared for it. And the reason they're doing it is, is can be a number of reasons. The first is they're scared that you'll fail and they're worried that it's going to hurt your feelings. Yeah. The second is it might be making them feel a bit intimidated because they don't have the courage to put themselves out there. So they get a bit funny about it. And who knows what the other reasons, but they're, they're definitely the two main ones. It's more and, reflection on themselves than on you. Yeah, basically. Exactly. Exactly. But I'm, I can almost guarantee that now having worked with hundreds of women and men all over the country with their personal brand, they're the, uh, I can't tell you how many of them have said, Oh my God, it's the ones who I expect to support me the most are the ones who are the most critical. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I know a few people when they're starting out in their business or they want to turn their idea um, into something more profitable and run it as a full-time business, they will often say to me, oh, my husband thinks it's a silly idea. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah, someone did say, oh, my mum's very critical of this. And yeah, and yeah that's, that's obviously true. I'm, I've been lucky enough to have a really supportive family because um, run his own business and my mum you know really helped me as well to to do it but I did have a few friends and a few ex-colleagues who was like that's a silly idea why would you yeah. do that and I think you've got to use those comments to strike on really yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely you absolutely do need to do that and you just have to focus on like I said focus on the message and what you're actually trying to achieve and do it for that as opposed yeah. to worrying about the opinions of others because the opinions of others can are ultimately fickle and you know one moment they're doubters the next minute they'll be your biggest fans yeah. and that's just how life goes you have to be your own biggest fan and you have to just really believe in yourself and your brand. And I, you know, I think back to all of my clients, uh, even the, the craziest ones uh, in terms of what they were actually talking about, like the celebrity foot reader, you know, I think of all of them, they all had conviction around who they were and what they were talking about. And you need to have that conviction because you are going to come up against, uh, there's just always going to be that. There's always going to be people yeah. who disapprove and criticize. So it's about being true to yourself and, um, and, and then it's unique as well. Like I always say to people as well, there's no one can copy that. Can they, you know, there's lots yeah. of brands out. You can't, no one can copy your brand cause you're totally unique and you'll put your own spin on it. And yeah. And, and, and even pe people that are starting a business, there's already a lots of businesses out there. Like I said, you'll, if you find like your little niche or your unique selling point, you will be different and you will resonate with your customers in a different way to someone else. So I think it's becoming more and more powerful. Yeah. Is there anything I know, um, you know, there's a few people that is particularly in the marketing world that like will wear bright red pants or shoes or have pink hair, or would you say there's anything, you know, obviously you've got to be true to yourself, but, for wearing something memorable or um, dressing in a certain way. I, I haven't done it, but I just wondered if it's something that would help you make you stand out more or get cut through or. 
Look, I think, you know, one of the things that I say to my clients is absolutely, first of all, you got to, you have to lean into your individuality and you, you have to look at what are some of the characteristics about you that you believe are your greatest assets and you believe are your most memorable qualities. So absolutely how you look does come, you know, your personal brand shines through in how you look. And it is a great way to illustrate who you are and what you stand for. So yes, if, if part of that, you might have like really crazy curly hair and, and that becomes a big part of your brand and the way that you communicate the photos you use and your profile shots, you know, or you might always, you know, I thinking, I think of Alex Perry with the glasses on his head or Anna Winter with her bob cut and fringe and, um, or Carlos and Patty and she always wears sunglasses. Yeah, I think that you can do that and by all means, or Naomi Simpson who always wears red. Yeah, have fun with it, get creative with it, lean into that, sure, but also don't be held prisoner to that and know that at any moment you might decide that it's no longer you. It doesn't resonate with who you are anymore as a person. So I think, yes, if that is true to who you are, you might wear really crazy glasses all the time and that becomes part of your personal brand. Or for me, I always wear red lipstick and, and high heels and I get funny messages from girls that I've spoken to in the past and they're like, oh, I saw this pair of shoes and it reminded me of you. And I kind of like that, that you know, yeah, nice. just part of how I show up. So yes, have fun with it get creative lean into your individuality and yes think about the traits and characteristics that do that you see as being most memorable about yourself and yes by all means think about a uniform or a way that you like to dress that you can really lean into but at the same time don't be held prisoner to it and also know that when you are potentially going through a moment where you want to reinvent your brand um, don't feel like you can't do that. And in fact, that's probably one of the best ways to reinvent your brand is to potentially get a new profile shot taken or completely change your hairdo. You know, I think of Sophia Amoroso who had this crazy dark, short fringe, really kind of harsh, uh, strong looking vibe. Yeah. And she went through a big life change. And so with that, she changed her whole style. She went a lighter hair color and it really did illustrate that she was starting new. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you can use it as a powerful tool. Yeah. You, yeah, you can use it to show that you are going through a change or to make a point or to, you know, just lean into your individuality but it's not never set in stone. Yeah, and I think, I know you know Bahar as well. You know Bahar from Rescue. Yeah. She's been, we did a podcast and it was all about reinventing yourself. And I think she's been amazing at just reinventing herself along the way, doing different things. And I think she, she says as well, like because she's been true to herself, you can really tell when she does go through a transformation that... Yes. Um, she shares that with her community. So I think as long as you're being honest and real to yourself, you're not just going out there and getting a crazy haircut because you think it'll that's make you right. That's right. And that's, and that, you know, you said it perfectly, Vic. Don't do it 
because you think that's going to help you stand out. Do it because it's honestly how you see yourself and the parts of yourself that you really love and you're excited to really highlight those things and share it and, and know that your audience is going to feel it. You know, I remember working with so many different stylists, watching them dress when I was working with Miranda and you could see when they put an outfit on her that was not her. Because, you know, you can't, if you, the, the clothes shouldn't be wearing you, you should be wearing the clothes. It's yeah. not about getting attention because of what you're wearing. It's about highlighting who you are through the clothes that you're wearing. So I think that's a really important distinction to make. And for anyone who decides that, yes, they know they want to really elevate their, their personal styling. I think that's wonderful. And I recently started working with a stylist and it's a really fun journey to go yeah, on. I would love to do that. Do they take yeah. on the personal shopping? Yeah. And they go through your wardrobe and they really challenge your comfort zone with your, the way you dress. And they really like, they're able to objectively say to you, why are you doing that? Oh, because you're insecure about this. Well, if you, you know what I mean? Like they see it differently. Yeah. I would just say, make sure you really like the stylist. Okay. And that you resonate and she or he really gets you and who you are as opposed to them having this clear idea of what's in fashion or what's stylish and then just throwing things on you because that's what they think is fashionable. Yeah. Well, it's a bit like what you do. You draw out that brand and that story from people to yourself, don't you? And it's sometimes yeah. it takes someone else to see yeah, it. To see it. Exactly. Well, we stand in our own way and we find it really difficult to potentially call ourselves the expert or to, to say of ourselves, you know, one of Australia's leading, duh, duh, duh. that can be really uncomfortable to, to say it for ourselves. Whereas yeah. when you have somebody outside of you go, well, actually, no, you've done this, this, and this, and you've achieved this, this, and this yes, we can make that claim and it's, uh, you know, yeah. permission. <laughs> I just say I'm paid to give people permission. And would you say um, people should use their own name in their branding? Like I Absolutely. have, you would, as opposed to getting another business name, you'd say. Absolutely. I am such a big advocate of this. Yeah. And look, there are obviously different scenarios require different strategies. So there are people who want to build a brand that they know eventually they would like to potentially sell. Yeah. So it makes sense for them to create a separate business name and identity. But I would always say to them, that doesn't stop you from still building your own personal brand. And your personal brand needs to always run underneath your name. Yeah. So that no matter what happens to your external roles or your businesses, you've still got this asset that you've built consistently along the way. Yeah, that's good advice. Yeah, so I definitely, you know, because I have, it's funny, one of my colleagues who's a well-known meditation expert, Tim, uh, Tom Cronin, he was always running under the name of the Stillness Project. And the other day, I, I read a post of his, and I was so delighted to read it. He actually admitted to his audience that 
all this time he had been afraid to actually use his name for a whole number of reasons and put himself forward as the centerpiece of the movement and of his community. Yeah. He wanted to hide behind this brand name, but all the while it was him. It was his work, his voice, his ideas, his stories, but he was running under this different name. And I, I firstly, I loved that that came from a man um, because usually we hear women, you Being know, vulnerable. those vulnerable admissions. But secondly, it just is so true. And a lot of people do that. They hide behind a business name because that way, if the business gets rejected, that's not really them. It's like another layer, isn't it? I mean, I think um, it's resonating with me now. I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe I called it Upsiders because I was scared. If yeah. that's easier to promote a yeah. company, a brand, as opposed to like just totally me, I think. Yeah. Do you think it depends though on what type of business, like if you if you are front and center and it's very much you driving it, yeah, then you should use your name. But yep. if you're building a big agency or of course, if you're building a big agency, if you're building a big agency, that's a whole nother story. But just yeah. remember that that brand and that agency has a voice of its own, is it has an identity of it of its own, it needs to have a strategy of its own. And yeah. you need to be realistic that building any kind of brand takes time, consistent effort and resources. So all I'm saying here is if it's a sole solopreneur and he or she is selling their ideas, their stories, their time, because they're consulting or they're the thought yeah. leader, then why would you be spending any time building this brand name that is essentially you? And yeah. I have, I had another client who did this and what was so funny was on, it was just her, her clients knew that it was just her. She was getting these, you know, great opportunities. She was extremely credible, you know, an amazing background as a business psychologist, but she, on her website, it was like, and we do this and we do that and we do this. And I challenged her on that. And I said, if you're getting all these clients, and they know it's just you, they're dealing with you. What makes you think that this facade of being this business and that it's we and this, what makes you think that this is actually productive or effective? You're building this brand that's not even existent. You don't even have a whole team. It's just you. Yeah. And so it really did come down to that comfort blanket. Yeah. And probably the perception, it's like thinking, oh, I need to make this bigger than me. And actually... Bigger, exactly. Um, and I went through that. I remember with my marketing agency thinking to be successful, I had to have a big marketing agency, employ lots of people, and that meant I was successful. And then yeah. it took having a baby to realize hang on, do I really want to be employing all yeah. these people? And am I actually happy just working one on one with people and yeah. doing something meaningful? And why does it have to be? It's like a bit of an ego thing, or you have to sort of delve deep into why you're. Absolutely. And my dad, you know, you just start to think. Oh, all of that. And it's, and the fact that you have that awareness is key and it's gold, but you have to also recognize that as much as you think it may be more attractive to people, you will actually end up deterring some people as well because you're acting bigger than you actually are. And the reality is people want to work directly with you. They want to work with you because they like and trust you and it's you that they want to get, they're not working with you because you've got this 
business name behind you. Yeah. So I always encourage my clients to, yes, operate under their name, to be doing their activity, to build their own personal brand, because it's a name that will never change. Oh, and it's, it makes, I mean, I'm going through this with a client at the moment, and we're trying to think of business name ideas. And I think even just finding a domain name that's available, yeah. it would be a lot easier for her to use her own name and just buy that. She can get .com and, you know, so it's... Um, and that means that also, I think in the world that we live in, especially now, our perspective post-COVID has certainly shifted as well. You know, this world is transforming at a rapid rate. And what we do today, who we are today, the business that we're in today, more than likely is not going to be the same in five years' time. So making the business name your name, there are a lot of massive advantages to that because your services and what you do may evolve over time, but there's always going to be this platform that they're going to go to. And when people look you up or want to work with you, you really own your digital footprint by having that website and by running everything under your name, you're able to build an audience and to have all of those people behind you is really powerful. So yeah, I would encourage your client to definitely do it under her name. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> and maybe you need to do it under your name. Yeah, I know. I might be booking a session with you after this. Yeah. <laughs> I need to change. Um, okay, and just, well, I'll wrap up because I know um, taking up a lot of your time, but we just always end with our quick, quick fire six steps to success questions and yeah. just one sentence or whatever comes to mind first is usually the best answer. And it's based around the six week program I've developed on um, starting your own business. Okay. So number one is mindset matters, which is super important. Um, starting a business. What fears did you overcome when you were starting your own business? So are we talking about my business when I was 22? Or my business today, yeah, personal branding one, like okay. whether it might have been a fear or um, what sort of challenges did you overcome, or self development did you do to get yourself in the right mindset of being a successful entrepreneur? I am an avid reader, so I absolutely resonate with the mind, uh, mindset matters idea. I I think that managing your mindset is absolutely imperative and it's funny when I was going through my 15 years of PR I did not do a lot of personal development and I recently started again so yes I think that mindset does matter what did I overcome it was just self-doubt it's just self-doubt yeah. and and the way that I overcame that was just by taking action yeah take massive action and and don't try and make it perfect as well it doesn't have to be perfect exactly and can you give us a few of the books that you um, would recommend? Oh, I know that you're... you're, you're I was scared you were going to ask me that. <laughs> there are so many that I love. Okay. Um, the Three that would be good for maybe someone thinking about their personal brand or thinking about starting their own business. Okay. Mm, okay. I think definitely the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Yeah, that's a, a Bible that everyone needs to to keep near them. Atomic Habits by James Clear. I devoured that book, and I think that that really makes you question some of the things that you do and the way that you do them just unconsciously. So when you're starting a business, I think it's really important 
to become fully aware of that. And then the last one that I think is just a must read for anyone, anywhere, and certainly one to really remind you of the fragility of life is The Top Five Regrets of the Dying by Bronnie Ware. Ah, I haven't heard of that one. Oh my God. Be prepared, have tissues right next to your bed or wherever you read. Uh, Bronnie Ware was a palliative care nurse and she shares all these amazing stories and ultimately a collection of the top five regrets that she heard from her clients. And I think it's just the wisdom of and the lessons that come from someone at the end of their life is just so powerful. And yeah, like I said, you'll be crying all the way through. Yeah, it makes me go shivery thinking of it because I can imagine. I, I recommend that to everyone because I just think it's just also about reconnecting with what is the truth. And that is that we're here for a moment and, and that's it. Who knows what we're going to come back as Vic. We might come <laughs> back as balding middle-aged men with some really boring lives, you know? Well, I'm looking at the picture of Miranda Kerr behind you thinking maybe it's an international supermodel. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'd wish that for you, but maybe. And number two, so refining and developing your idea. Um, and I, a lot of what we do is about building a purpose-driven business. Do you yeah. believe in the power of finding your purpose and having a real purpose to your business? Yeah, I do, but I believe that it evolves. And I believe that having the mindset of, or being open to the fact that your purpose will shift. And really what's important is that you just every morning wake up and act purposefully. That yeah. you don't always necessarily know precisely what your purpose is, but just waking up and knowing that your ideas, your thoughts, your stories actually matter and that you can make a difference, even if it's just on a small level. I think that's more important. And certainly from my perspective, uh, going out into the marketplace and doing what I'm doing now, speaking, I feel like every time I speak, every time I have a client, every time I even do an interview, my ideas and what I what I speak about evolves and I feel like it gets even better so and I get clearer about what I'm actually trying to say so instead of starting out thinking I need to know exactly what I want to say I need to perfect it in every way I think it's also healthy to go okay this is what I want to say now but maybe in a year's time it's going to change yeah, I've exactly. been out there in the marketplace doing all these things. I get different interactions, or you know, an audience person, an audience member might ask me a question, and that opens up a new line of thinking for me. So it's just also being about being open and curious, and know that you're ever evolving. Yeah, and that's a nice tip. I think even I need to remind myself just even that day, rather than having to make my business a big thing. Maybe today my purpose is to be a mum. I'm looking after my yes. daughter all day and my purpose is just to keep yes. my life for the day and happy. Yes. And That's an important purpose to have. Yeah, and I know because lots of listeners are juggling a motherhood and yes. running a business. So I think just to remind yourself, okay, today I'm this just... my purpose. Yeah, my purpose is going to be a mum, which, yes. uh, as you know as well, is sometimes a lot harder than... than Anything else. Multi-million dollar empire. Exactly. Exactly. A hundred percent. 
And number three, um, building your brand. What's the key to a memorable brand? Honesty, consistency, and thoughtfulness. I think that when you're honest with yourself and others, like we have been speaking about throughout the whole session, you're able to attract the people that really resonate with who you are, as opposed to being something you think people want to want you to be and then resonating with an audience that's not really true to you because you're not being yourself. Consistency because it takes time, effort and time, you know, and you need to be patient. So it's important to ride those waves. There'll be moments where people love what you're doing and they're totally into it and getting all these opportunities. And then there's going to be troughs where nobody wants to hear from you and you feel like nobody really likes you. And so if you can ride those waves, you'll really be able to get to the point where you've, you start to really build an audience that matters and build influence that matters because people know they can rely on you to be there, not just there for a moment in time. And then, yeah, definitely having patience. You need to have patience. It's not something I always say, personal branding is not a short-term activity. It's a long-term mindset. It's about consistently putting yourself out there at every point of where you're at and showing up and allowing people to hear you and to see you and to know what you're up to. It's not just, I'm going to do this big thing and make this big splash and then I'll go into my cave and hide for the next five years. (laughs) It's not really effective personal branding. It's about creating a relationship and like a marriage you know, we don't just see them once a year. I mean, maybe that's <laughs> something I'll consider when I'm going through menopause, but we don't see them once a year and that's it. You've got to be there through kind of thick and thin. Yeah, good advice. And you've actually answered the, the next one, which was about the best way to attract customers and an audience. Yeah. Consistency. 100%. Um, so number five is creating a strong digital strategy. I know that we spoke a bit about Instagram, but... I listened to that amazing webinar you did on LinkedIn and how it's quite an underutilized platform and people often overlook it. Um, I'm kind of answering it for you, but you know, what channels have generated the most impact for you or what ones maybe get overlooked that you. Yeah. Well, definitely LinkedIn. I mean, Instagram and LinkedIn are my two main, if you want to say funnels of clientele. And I feel like that's where my audience resides. LinkedIn is so underutilized and underestimated and it is what Instagram was five to eight years ago. So everybody needs to really be considering getting on that platform because in terms of organic reach and the opportunity and ability to actually create, you know, an audience, but like a big robust audience that is actually engaging Whilst it might not look like you're getting the same kind of interaction, because it's very easy for people to like what you, you're doing on Instagram, you know, just kind of like. And with LinkedIn, what's different is if I like something that you post, it will then get shot out into the, the LinkedIn stratosphere to all of my uh, audience that I've liked this. So it's basically like every time I press like, I'm endorsing what you're saying. So people are a little bit more conservative with what they actually like because of that reason. But in terms of exposure and building awareness, yeah, everyone has to be on LinkedIn. Yeah. And would you say be doing blog content or I know you mentioned quotes can work well. Yeah. What kind of content should people be sharing? So 
the algorithm apparently doesn't have a preference. So you could be putting a photo up, video, articles, or just a text post, and it will still get the same kind of opportunity to shine. But what I will say is anything that builds engagement and conversation is what LinkedIn wants. They don't want to get any external links. So if you're posting, I see a lot of people posting, um, you know, maybe they've been featured in the, a media somewhere. So they post an external link. That's not going to get a lot of traction because literally LinkedIn, LinkedIn's algorithm will kind of push that down to the bottom because they, they don't want people going off the site. So it doesn't necessarily matter what kind of form your content comes in as long as you're creating conversations. So don't just talk at people, like have a conversation, share your ideas. Don't just say, don't just make a statement or a sales pitch, actually share a bit of yourself, your ideas. And yes, I know you posted an article and I suggested that instead of putting a picture yeah, I actually posted an article on LinkedIn. So it wasn't an external link. You wrote an article on LinkedIn. Instead of putting a picture, you use that picture section to put a quote, like a yeah. quote. I found that's really effective because what that does is somebody might just like the quote, but be too lazy to read the article. So they, you kind of giving them two bites at the cherry. Yeah. <laughs> I found that that's been really effective. I'll try that next time too. And a good tip for the listeners as well. And just finally, number six is about promotion and partnerships. Yeah. Are there any collaborations or PR that you've got that's really helped promote your business and your offering? I know you do lots of speaking events and been featured in um, a lot of great publications. Is there anything that stands out as a great collaboration or partnership for you? Well, I know you speak to a lot of women and I've actually found one of the the media outlets that I consistently get any kind of reaction to my articles from where I'm actually getting people contacting me for potentially working is uh, Women's Agenda. I feel like they've got a really powerful audience. The other thing that's really worked for me is Business Chicks. They yeah, are that Emma Isaacs yeah. is amazing. I've just yeah. finished her book, Winging It. It's brilliant. I can't believe she has six kids. I mean, I, I, I watched her give birth because they did, she, she stressed yeah, she, birth live. Yeah, she did. Well, actually, the midwife, I'm going to have a home birth for my second one. And the yeah. midwife that's going to do it, Cheryl, she was going to be flown to, to actually give birth to Emma's baby because of COVID. She didn't. Oh. But she just said, yeah, Emma's amazing. I think she was there her previous home birth. And I, I need to look it up and watch the birth. Oh, you have to, you have to. I don't know if it's a good thing to do. Before. Well, actually, no, you have to do that because yes, I walked in after. Yeah, I walked in after to my husband. I said, honey, I feel so inadequate right now. Not only did she just, it just looked like she just popped the baby out. She was so quiet. You know, this is a drug-free birth. And I I was like, I just, she's amazing. She's just amazing. It's her sixth child, isn't it? So I think. And her skin now just fall out of her. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing, yeah. And how can people connect with you? Um, I'm sure there's people listening now going, right, I need to sort out my personal brand. What's the best way to get in touch? Well, my website's just carlylion.com. 
and then I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn under my name of course <laughs> yeah yeah That's what you preach I like exactly. it well thanks so much Carly you've been you. yeah and for your time you've um, gone over it but you've given just so much great advice that um, I'm sure everyone got a lot of value from it so thanks so much for being on the show and um, for anyone for anyone listening that wants to turn their business dreams into reality or is inspired to start um, building their business, then get in touch to find out about our one-on-one -on -one coaching and business programs. My email is vic at upsiders.co. And if you like this episode, please subscribe so you can hear from more exciting people coming up. Thanks very much, everyone. Bye. Thank you. I'll just pause. A place for having that secondary brand. But if you are really going to be out in the world, consulting, speaking, you know, building relationships with these women, then I personally think you're better to run it under your name. Yeah. That would be my opinion because you might get sick of the upsiders or it just... The only reason I went with upsiders is because I used to run, it was called insiders, the business. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, well, now it's about upskilling people. So I'll call it upsiders. And I thought it was a bit of a good... Yeah, that's just all in my head because I think we got featured once on Mumbrella and then that's it now and um Upsiders doesn't really hold a huge amount of value you know it's it's me doing it and it's I can resonate with that whole we like I remember my father-in-law said law saying to me who's we and yeah. I was like oh Peter you don't get it it's about making <laughs> me seem bigger than I am <laughs> yeah which I think Really, the reality is, especially a lot of my corporate clients, they have that ideology that it's, you know, you've got to be bigger. But in the world that we live in, and, and it's so transparent, people know you're going to meetings, it's always, yeah. you, you know, you don't have an office with 100 people in it. No. Uh, you know, that might be something that you're aiming for. And if it is, then by all means, keep it. It's just about getting honest with what you're actually trying to build yeah. where you want to go at least with your name it's something it's an asset like you are literally building an asset that you can then, yeah. you know we talk about that guardians of influence well you're a guardian of influence and the more you build that victoria jones name or that vic jones name whichever one it is yeah that becomes more influential yeah that's true yeah, I'm have a think about it. I might be booking in to see you, especially before the next baby, because it'd be good to have a bit of a plan um, around oh, that. Well, I'm always happy to just give you my advice and share my ideas. I mean, you will already know so much about, you know, how to communicate it, what platforms to use. I, I don't see it's going to be a huge shift that you're going to need to make. It's literally just tweaking. Yeah. Or your communication, like even just your beautiful introduction then, like you you know what you're saying, you know who you're saying it to, you've got all of that that beautiful wording. It's just changing Yeah, I think Vic Jones or Victoria Jones. And sometimes it takes someone else to do that for you, which I think, yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much. It's my pleasure. So, so I'll edit this and then well, I don't really edit, I won't need to edit anything really, but I'm I'll just, yeah, I'll put it all into, um, yeah, and then um, send you the link and then Perfect. 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 Yeah, I think hopefully I'll be able to refer you a few clients as well. Like I know from other guests that have been on the show, they've had 
clients off the back of it. So um, oh, perfect. Yeah, I hope it's worth your time. Too. Oh, thanks, Vic. I really appreciate it. And and like I said, if there's anything I can do, just let me know. Even okay. if you put some stuff together and and send it to me, and I can give you my advice or opinion, whatever. Yeah, well, I think it's about time I booked in and did something for my own business. So I think. Um, yeah, I know that's the truth, isn't it? Yeah, it would be nice to yeah do something for myself too. You spend yeah. as you know, you spend so much time helping other people, and then you think actually it'd be good. Um, could do something for yeah, yeah. to to work uh, myself hundred percent. Yeah, I'll probably email you this week and yeah. Perfect, Harley. My pleasure. You too, and I'll see you soon. Yeah, hopefully see you in person soon. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Carly. Bye.